0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to worship for this September 13th of 2020. Uh, We are worshiping at Carmen United Church, and my name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and I'm so glad that you are able to be here with us today. Let us pray. Lord God, we come today ever thankful for the blessings of life we share. We thank you for the freedom to worship you wherever we are, whether at home or on the road or in nature. Wherever we may be, you are always with us. As we worship you this day, may we know your presence is with us now and always. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Friend. Amen. Our scripture reading this week comes from Romans chapter 14. Paul is writing to a church, a church that is somewhat divided in what it believes to be right and wrong for Christians to be doing in their private lives. Paul reminds them about what is important. Here is a reading from Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who despise, the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written <laughs> for it is written As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So each so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here in this time of worship, as we gather here for words of hope and words of direction, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. It is a strange time to be in ecumenical relationships with other pastors. You see, I have somewhat regular conversations with all kinds of pastors from all kinds of churches, from, uh, United, and it's not just United Church people. I talk with pastors from the Salvation Army, from the Catholic Church, Presbyterians, Anglicans, uh, various types of Baptists, and as well as other evangelical type churches. There's one thing that most of us do agree on, especially when I consider those colleagues that I tend to talk to more often, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Lord of the church, and he is Lord of your life. After that, there are various stages of disagreement on a whole variety of topics. The topics carrying the most tension today are disagreements that seem to be around, well, the pandemic and, of course, politics. There are a number of what I will call American-style evangelicals that I associate with, that are making our relationships somewhat complicated. For instance, a few of them have repeatedly posted anti-mask and anti-science views during this pandemic on social media, in particular, Facebook. In my opinion, in my opinion, these are incredibly dangerous and irresponsible things to do for these leaders in the Christian community, and leaders in the community in general. I believe that by doing this, they could be putting people's lives at risk. I, for one, strongly believe in science. I listen to and I, to and I respect scientists who labor hour after hour, day after day, just trying to find out as much as humanly possible about this virus as they can so that they can come up with vaccines and, and suitable treatments. And I do my very best to try to follow reports of what these scientists are finding and doing. But then I turn around and I see these colleagues posting random videos they are finding on the internet with some sort of unknown person in a lab coat who are debunking everything that the scientists are telling us without giving us any hard facts or credible research to prove otherwise. A lot of it is just hearsay. And what they're trying to say is that the scientists are all wrong and they, as this individual person, have it all right. One of the go-to people in these videos is a woman that has been frequently proven to have invalid research methods and even has, in history, had her results fabricated. She faked the results and it's all been proven by her peers. But they use these videos anyway and claim as part of some sort of huge conspiracy theory that everyone is all in on. Now I'm going to be completely off, obvious when, when uh, completely honest, when my colleagues post these kinds of videos that rebuke credible science and post these baseless videos claiming that, that everything we've been told has been fake, it makes me, it makes me very upset. The same goes for their support for a certain American president, the one that they continue to lift up as to be, to be the chosen one of God, and the, but yet they ignore his complete and moral failures and his contempt for the good citizens that he, has been, that he has sworn to protect and serve. All of this, even as, for instance, this week, story after story, has come out of his failures as a leader. Then again, together, we are all leaders of this church that God has established through Jesus Christ. So, what to do, what to do. And then I pick up my Bible this week in Romans, and read Romans chapter 14. Now, I get it, division is hard. It seems especially hard during this time of pandemic and this political environment we're finding ourselves in. It seems like no one is neutral. It feels like we all have strong opinions on this that are either one way or the other. I'm not saying we have to, to agree on everything, what a boring world that would be. But it feels like to me that we've lost the ability to engage one another respectfully and, and to disagree respectfully. I confess there have been times when I've failed in this recently, but there have also been times when I feel like I've used a considerable amount of restraint. Back to Romans 14. Paul is writing to a church that is experiencing division. The church is in Rome, thus it's called Romans. Rome is, of course, the capital city of the Roman Empire, which has expanded to include a very large territory. The Roman Empire, because of all this consolidated power and lack of accountability, is particularly rife with sin, especially sexual sin. And nowhere is this sin more prevalent than in the capital city of Rome, where the church is located. Paul in chapter 14 is addressing the reports of division that seem to be appearing in the church. It seems as though that people seem to have differing opinions of what it means to live as a Christian and how to live their lives. It sounds like some of them are choosing to be vegetarians, which I guess tells us today that this movement is not so new and hip as we like to think it might have been. Uh, but among others have chosen other lifestyles as well. Paul is saying, don't judge one another over such trivial little matters. What matters is the intent of one's heart. What is the intent of their heart when they seek to live these kinds of lives? The person who's eating meat, they are eating meat in what they believe to be a way that honors the Lord. The same can be said about the vegetarian. There are many ways in which we can serve the Lord and we each have our own decisions to make as to how we will honor God when we exercise all these options that are available to us. Starting in verse 8, we hear a passage that are frequently used to open funeral services. It says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. So if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Because we belong to God. Paul is, in case you haven't figured it out, Paul is addressing and talking about Christians, people who pro- pro- profess a belief that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of their lives. These are the people who live to the Lord and die to the Lord. Paul is writing exclusively to the church right here. This is who he's addressing. He's not addressing the general public. He's not talking about the, the, the random Roman who's walking down the road. Paul is talking about and to Christians. He says, if we live as Christians, if we follow the teachings of Jesus, then we live to the Lord. And in the end, when our time is done, then we will die to the Lord. Christ lived and died and lived again for Christians. Paul goes on to say in verse 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or Or why do you despise your brother, he says? Paul is talking about our address to other Christians, other believers. Why do you pass judgment on your Christian brothers and sisters, he says. He goes on to remind us that we will, have, that we will each have the opportunity to explain ourselves when we, when we stand in front of the seat of judgment of our God, when we give our own account of the decisions we have made in our lives as to how we have honored him or dishonored him. So if we seek to honor God in our actions, if we strive to follow the ways of Jesus, then there should be no division in the church, right? (laughs) Don't we wish? As I've already pointed out, there are already great divisions in Christianity. And things can get incredibly tense at times, even in this current climate, maybe even more so in this current climate. Jesus himself even gave us instructions how to deal with conflict, how to deal with sin in the church. We find it in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus begins teaching and in verse 15. He says, "'If your brother or sister sins,' go and and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. That is the teaching of Jesus. So if you come across someone in the church who is a sinner, go and talk to them. If they won't listen, take a couple of others, maybe elders in the church, and go talk to them again. If they they still won't listen, tell it to the church. And if they won't listen to the church... Then send them away. Or maybe in today's context, block them on Facebook, an option that has crossed my mind a number of times recently. Now, is division over uh, opinion? Is division over opinion a sin? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on what the outcome of the division is if the object of dispute could cause someone to walk away, to back away, to abandon their faith, then, yes, it is a sin and it needs to be dealt with. Which then brings me back to the differences of opinion on the pandemic and, and politics that I have with some of my pastoral colleagues, both locally and internationally. It is, it is one thing to have some private opinions that you might only share with a few select people. But it, but it is another thing altogether to share these opinions on social media or in a church service where uh, a much wider audience has access. I, for one, believe the science when it comes to masks. Now, are masks the the perfect answer to protecting one another during the pandemic? No, it's not. But it is a step in the right direction based on what science is able to tell us today as they continue to learn about the virus, how it moves, how it travels, and all that sort of thing. Now, I've been wearing masks in indoor places long before Nova Scotia said, you know, the government said that we had to wear them. Even as a church, we decided that if we were going to come back in here and have worship together, we were going to wear masks. And that, again, was before the province dictated that when you're indoors, you you wear masks. Why did did we make this, this decision? Why did I choose to do this? Because we saw science as pointing us in that direction, as a way to protect one another. So we acted and we made a decision. I believe that as part of God's beautiful creation, he gave us the ability to study it, to learn from it, and we call this process of studying and learning, we call it science. In creating people, God gifted some people with the incredible ability to do very, very fine research using the latest technology that is available to learn intimate and important information about what it is that they study. And there is also a huge, like a, a very complicated uh, process of checks and balances in place to, make sh- to be sure that important findings are reliable and accurate before it goes out to the public. Someone cannot post a random video one finds on the internet that shows someone who appears to be science y that refutes common scientific knowledge, and information, and we cannot expect that to necessarily be real science. Now, we all have our biases. We all have our comfort zones, and when we find someone who says something that we agree with, that we want to agree with, it's easy to fall into the trap of believing it without fully understanding the science behind it. I know I've probably done it many times without even realizing it. Because you know, we all think we know. So Jesus tells us, if that our sin, if our, you know, this disagreement that leads to sin, is causing someone to struggle with their faith, he says we need to address it. We need to talk about it. We need to do something about it because God hates sin. Yet loves us. So he wants us to remove the sin from our lives, from our churches, wherever, before someone gets hurt. Especially if it's someone who's outside the church looking in and and thinking, wow, what a bunch of hypocrites in there. We don't want that. God doesn't want that. Jesus even gives a warning for those who cause people to struggle in their faith. He tells us right before he, he tells us how to deal with a sin in the church. Still in Matthew 18, this time in verse 6, Jesus says, If anyone causes these little ones, to, uh, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That sounds like a pretty strong warning to me. We need to find ways to work together, if at all possible. And we need to do it in the name of Jesus, despite our differences. And even in some cases, because of our differences, to show unity in Jesus, even though people know we disagree on things. God loves us. He loves us so much, he sent his son to die for our sin on our behalf. We are the ones who deserve to be punished for our sin, not Jesus. But God, in the most selfless act of love ever known in the history of the world, allowed his son to give his life for our own. That's how much he loves you right now. Even with our ugly sins that we carry. God also loves His church. He knows it's important in the lives of our communities, it's important in our homes, it's important as we offer hope in the name of Jesus to the world that is around us. The church is often referred to as the Bride of Christ, again, showing how much love He has for the church, for people who make up this gathering. We cannot let sin divide us. We need to find ways to be able to talk about it respectfully with one another. We need to recognize that even in our mundane differences about how we choose to live, it is ultimately about living for God's glory. And if we're living in such a way that we're not bringing honor to God, if we're falling down on this particular aspect of trying to honor God, then we need to address it and we need to change it. We all have moments where we are not good examples of Jesus in the world. So we need to repent of these mistakes that we make and let God transform us into how he wants us to live as disciples of Jesus. Jesus. The conversations, they will be hard at times. And so we pray, we must pray. We must hold up Christ as our example, our leader, our guide, and work together to do the work that God wants done in this world. That is, to love him first and foremost, and then to love one another as we ourselves want to be loved. To quote Paul once again, So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Together. Together, God uses us individually and as the church to make his love known. So everyone will know they are invited to be part of his family. We do all of this, all of it, together in the name of Jesus Christ, who is, the, who is ultimately the only head of the church, and he is also Lord of our lives when we give our hearts to him. Thanks be to God. Amen. My friends, would you join me in a time of prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings of life you have given to us. There are so many things we are thankful for, which really are too many to name at times. We also know, God, that we do not want to be apart from you. So we offer you the struggles we carry, the sins in our lives, so that we may be one with you as we seek to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we gain eternal life as our Lord and our Savior. God, as we struggle in these days with division, division in our families, our communities, because of differing viewpoints on a variety of topics, Lord, may you unite us as your children. May you bring us together under your banner of love and teach us how to love each other and those who do not know you yet. Instead of being called hypocrites, Lord, may we be called your children, drawing people into your presence so you may share your love with them as well. We love you, God. We want to be the best disciples we can possibly be. We want to be the light of Jesus in the world. But we need your help because we cannot do it alone. So we ask, Lord, for you to correct our wayward thoughts, to, to correct our actions, and bring us into lives that live and love for your glory. Father, we also pray for the many in our lives who need your help and need your comfort. We pray for those who who mourn. We pray for the sick. We pray for the lost. We pray for those who are just simply down on their luck. We pray for our families. We, We pray for our friends. We pray even for ourselves because we also need more of you in our lives. Lord, may you bring peace and unity to this world. May people know your love. May they know your mercy. May people see that you have a greater plan for this world than any politician, than than any business leader. Lord, may we know your presence in this world as you have created it. And may you bring healing to all that we have broken. Lord, we lift up all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca may God bless you this day